What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome back to the Extra Inning Post Game Show with Bill Lasky. I'm excited to have my guest on today. I've watched this young man all the way go through San Jose, Richmond, and Sacramento, and now he's a big leaguer. Let's bring in David VR. How are you today, David? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing super, man. I'm so excited for you, and I was excited probably more not not as more as you were when you got called up, but you were having a fabulous year in Sacramento. I'm glad you're in the orange and black. How does it feel to be a big leaguer? It's awesome. It's uh, like I've said multiple times, and I don't think my answer will ever change. It's it's a surreal feeling to you know see the hard work over the years. Uh, 10 15 20 years of just working at this dream that you want to you want to achieve so badly and uh even when you do get that call and uh you just you, you never expect it and it's truly amazing and now I'm I'm here and uh and hopefully I'm here to stay and help the Giants win as many as when as many games as they can and uh just do whatever I can to stay up here yeah, and that's what you have to do each day, each at bat. And let's go to that first at bat, Madison Bumgarner, of course, a, a big time giant pitcher. I'm sure you followed him in a Giants uniform, and you get your first at bat against him. You didn't waste time. First pitch you saw, you drove it out to right center field. Was the heart racing a little bit? Were hands a little sweaty at the times, or were you comfortable and you were just trying to see the ball and hit it? I, I was honestly pretty comfortable. Um, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of nerves in that first at bat, I'm not sure if it had something to do with not sleeping too much in the last 24 hours. So I don't know if I had uh, a lot of time to be nervous, but uh, I, I know I've followed Madison Bumgarner when he was with the Giants. I watched um, the legend that he created in that postseason, And, uh, you know, what better way to kick off uh, my, my big league career than to face an established pitcher like that. And uh, I didn't want to waste any time. I didn't want to fall behind. I didn't want to have him get ahead of me. So I, I saw the first pitch and I wanted to go after it right away. Well, David, our listeners liked for me to come back in time with you, and that's where I want to start. You were born in Atlanta, Georgia. You ended up moving to Florida. When you were a kid, did you idolize anybody when you lived in Florida, or were you still in, in Georgia? How, when did you move to Florida with your parents, and, and what did you like about baseball when you were growing up? So I was a really, really uh, young baby when we moved to uh, Fort Lauderdale. It was only about six months. Um, when I, we moved out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but the story that my mom tells me is that, you know, she used to take me into the backyard and she'd toss these balls at me and I'd hit them over into the neighbor's yard <laughs> pretty often at a at a really young age. And um, she went over and told my, my dad that, you know, we needed to put me in baseball. Um, this was obviously before I can even remember. Um, but from when I do remember starting to play baseball, and up until now, baseball has always just been a, a passion. And uh, it's just always been a love for me. There's just something about the game that keeps bringing me back and keeps wanting me to, to get more and more out of it. And putting this dream in, in front of me when I was, you know, a young kid and wanting to set out and achieve that dream. And now that it's here, it's, it, 
it's nice to see those uh, mm-hmm. those those countless nights of hard work and those sacrifices that I made. You know, even that most people don't realize you have to make as a professional athlete. That now it's paid off, and uh, and I get to kind of reap those benefits. Did you watch a certain player? Was there an idol you kind of followed? Was there a team you followed when you were in Florida? So I was a Marlins fan. Um, so I was only about six when they won the World Series, but I do remember having uh, the World Series uh, rerun on a DVD between the the Marlins and the Yankees in the 2003 World Series. Um, and I remember watching that over and over and over and, and always wanting to uh, to be a part of that. So the, I think the first young player that I really grew up liking was Miguel Cabrera with the Marlins when he was just a kid. And as I got older, I really, really, really liked uh, Robinson Cano. I just everything about the way he played the game, his his style, his swagger, his his sweet lefty swing. Which I'm not a lefty, but Robinson Cano always had my eye. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, when you went to uh, American Heritage High School that was in Plantation, Florida? Did you play many sports? Did you play basketball or football or anything else besides baseball? Nope, I was a one sport athlete. Um, I was just a baseball player. I tried football when I was younger, about 12, 13 years old, and uh, it conflicted with baseball schedule, and I, I wasn't any good at it either. I tried to make uh, the soccer team in, in sixth grade before moving over to American Heritage, and I, I got cut from that. So I, I stuck to baseball. <laughs> yeah, and you did really well. You, you were, American Heritage High School really put up some fantastic numbers did anybody look at you to possibly get drafted out of high school? Because, you know, you played very well, and you, you played almost five years. You played when you were in eighth grade, something different. But was it something that, you know, the whole team's a good – that's a great quality high school. Did anybody look at you at that time? Um, not – I didn't have any representation. Um, we had our – you know, we had the local area scouts that were there. Not – you know, maybe they had my name – on their list is maybe an eye, a guy to keep their eye on. Um, but nobody ever approached me about, you know, potentially being selected uh, in the draft out of high school. Um, there were always other guys that were there um, that I played with, Zach Collins, uh, Milton Ramos, Sean Anderson. So the, the school was full of talent. And, uh, you know, maybe my name was on the list, but no one ever approached me about it. So, no, so you moved I on. Yeah, not. you moved on to South Florida, University of South Florida. Was that a school that came after you out of high school? Did you get a scholarship? Was there other schools that could you could have gone to? Yes. So that was the uh, that was the only uh, college offer I had to go play baseball, and uh, they came after me in the summer between my junior and senior year of high school when I was playing in a tournament in East Cobb, and. Uh, I had my sights set on, you know, I want to go to North Carolina. I want to go to Clemson. I'll go to these big schools, but these big schools probably, you know, they had sent out that letter you're allowed to send on June 1st when recruiting opens up, but I wasn't a high on their high alert radar. And so I told my coach, you know, I'm not really interested in USF. I don't even know who this is. I'm not even sure who the school is, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he talked me into giving them an opportunity to go, uh, check out the campus and uh when i went down there mark kingston was was over there billy mole and uh you know they put a really good pitch together and the campus was great and uh i really fell in love with it and i could envision myself playing you know at least three years there and uh they gave me the opportunity of a lifetime to start as a freshman and play all three years 
And you took off your sophomore year. You did really well. Had seven home runs, 45 RBIs. And then you went, you started playing a little bit more. You started playing more at third base. And and it grew from there. You ended up playing in a summer league with wood bats, which I think is such a good thing for kids to do. And then your junior year, it was time for you to get drafted. And you put a season together that really lit up a lot of people. And you, your junior year, was it more pressure on you to knowing that, hey, this is the time where I have to put a good year together to get drafted and it's time to go to pro ball? I think that was the least amount of pressure I felt in any of the three years at, at USF due to, I had learned so much about myself the summer before playing in lacrosse uh, in the Northwood summer league. I had finally put something together with my offensive game and my defensive game where I said, wow, I can actually make a living out of this. I've finally found something that's going to allow me to be successful. And uh, going into my junior year, it was, it was just so much fun. I went out to the to the park every day to just have fun, get the work in, but it I didn't feel any pressure and and we had uh Shane McClanahan who's with Tampa Bay who was bringing countless scouts every single Friday night that he was wow. pitching wow. because he was he was going to be the first rounder and I knew that I had to take advantage of the opportunity that was there with all these scouts being there like, hey, I need to make myself known. I need to have my name out there because he's going to bring all the attention. So I used that to my advantage. And, uh, and it worked. It was just, <laughs> and it, yeah, it was so much fun playing at USF my final year. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose, to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. And then you get drafted. 2018, you get drafted in the 11th round, kind of high round. I, I, th- I thought the numbers were a lot better, but again, a college kid, third year in college. You weren't a high school kid. You were a little older, and you had an opportunity to sign with the San Francisco Giants. Of course, you're looking at the Giants saying, hey, man, I'm in Florida. They're in California. Did you know much about the organization at that time? Not really. Um, I didn't. I really didn't know much about pro ball and I, and I don't know I think more and more guys are learning the way pro ball works now uh, because there's a lot more information but I, I, had, I didn't know much about San Francisco at the time in their current obviously I knew what they had done in the previous three world series um, but I, I just saw that it was an opportunity to you know someone was giving me an opportunity to extend my career and uh, I wanted to take advantage of that and you know I just wanted to try to get to the big leagues with the Giants and that that was yeah. the, always the dream at the end of the day and then, I was just going to say that that's where that dream comes from all the way back when you were in high school and grade school living the dream about being a big leaguer and and sure enough you sign and you ended up going to a rookie ball for six games or whatever when you got to rookie ball and you saw this whole locker room of all these different people and all the different ages was it a little nervous for you? Did you get a little, you know, like, wow, I got to compete against all these guys? What What was the thought that you had coming into that locker room, seeing everybody, and all over, all from all over the world? Well, it was um, it was a little strange because you know you're used to seeing the same guys in your locker room 
for the last three years in college. And then you're coming into a much bigger locker room and there's just guys all over the place. And luckily for myself, I speak Spanish. So I'm able, I was able to communicate with, uh, with some of the uh, other mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic players. So it was uh, a little intimidating at first due to the fact that I didn't know anybody and you're coming into a whole new setting. Um, but I think what I really took from that was that everybody here is trying to get to the same level. And uh, we're all just going to grind together at the end of the day. And we're all trying to get to the big leagues. A few more minutes on extra innings with David VR. The first couple of years, 18 and 19, you were in high A ball, did really well in San Jose. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and you don't play in 2020. And next thing you know, you're looking at, I'm 23 years old and I got to sit out all year. Pressure turn on a little bit more when the 2021 season came at you? Slightly. Um, mm-hmm. Going into spring training, there was a little bit more pressure, um, but mostly because I had made so many swing adjustments um, and I didn't have that in-game confirmation to know, hey, this is going to work. So I needed to know if it was going to work in spring training because I had just made all these adjustments over the past 12 to 15 months mm-hmm. following the 2019 season. And, you know, you get your live ABs off of guys in, in, a, in an off-game setting. But I knew coming into spring training, I had to make a bang following, you know, what I did in San Jose. I needed to show that I was capable of more than that. And um, so there was a little bit of pressure. But I think once I got that that affirmation that what I had done and all the offseason work and, you know, all the work that I did during 2020 when baseball was gone um, was that it was going to help me in the long run. And, boy, it took off in Richmond. You took off hitting 275, 29 doubles, 20 home runs, 58 RBIs. You were named a 2021 Minor League Baseball Organizational All-Star. At the end of that year, successful in your mind? Did you think, hey, I got to do more? Yeah. Yeah, there's always there's always more work to be done. My offensive numbers had gone up, and I had shown what I was what I always knew I was capable of but the defense had slacked a little bit. And I know that this game is, you can't just be a hitter in this day and age anymore. You have to, you have to have a good glove. You have to play defense. And so I took that coming into this off season and said, let's work on the defense again. Like we can't, I can't get to the big leagues if I'm a liability on defense and every day I'm, I'm trying to grind and get better every single day, whether it's third base, whether it's first base, second base, or wherever the giants ultimately need me to play. Mm-hmm. I need to have that glove and make sure that it's not a liability. And versatility was huge for you. When you got to Sacramento this year, 41 games at third base, where you're most comfortable at, 14 games at first base, 11 at second base. But versatility was huge for you because you had to learn different angles. You had to learn different in middle infielders you worked with. Something you worked on before games, was that something you wanted to generate more work at? Yeah, it was it was something I implemented uh, a little bit into this past off season, working at second base and working at first base a little bit more than I normally do at third. And um, you know, from when the season started, I had already began working at second base with with Holbert Cabrera, and uh, later on in the season, Ron Wotus came down and started working with me at second base. And uh, it's just something that I, I wanted to learn as much as I could, as fast as I could so I could be a good defender over there. And um, now that I'm up here, I have, you know, Mark Hallberg and Ortiz and Kai Curry and they're helping me. And right. 
they're just giving me all the information. And so I'm just trying to be a sponge to whatever they can help me with. A couple more minutes here with David VR as we uh, talk a little bit about the big leagues now. Now you are adjusting to big league pitching. Uh, I watched you in, in the series against Arizona sitting, looking at iPads, looking in, and talking to Brandon Crawford and saw you talking to Joey Bart the other day. Um, a lot of influence from big leaguers, a lot of knowledge that you're trying to grasp from them. I'm trying to take everything I can, especially from these guys that have a lot, a lot of experience. You know, Brandon Crawford, uh, Evan Longoria, Jock Peterson, Brandon Bell, anybody, Wilmer Flores, anybody that, you know, I'm going to try to constantly pick their brain and get information on the defensive side, on the offensive side, the mental side of the game. Because these guys have done it and they've been successful in their careers, really, really successful in their careers. And anything that I can learn and pick up from these guys, it it's going to be useful and it's going to help me in my career. David, a couple of things here. When I look at consistent numbers, you did it in double A. You did it all the way back in San Jose. You did it in triple A. Now you have to make those adjustments against the pitchers you're throwing against. And some of these pitchers are outstanding all-stars. Some of the greatest pitchers you've never seen before. How are you making those adjustments to pitch to pitch and at bat to bat? I think it's just a learning a learning curve, um, just adjusting to the consistency of, of major league pitching. Um, but I'm I'm up for the challenge. Uh, just the way I see it as all I have to do is just remove the name from the back of the jersey and remove that intimidation factor part of it. Um, but just learning every day. Um, the hitting coaches here are great. JV, uh, Dustin, Pedro, and, and you know, I'm I'm confident in my ability. And I know that if, you know, I find and I stick with what I've been working on for the past two years and now I have to increase it a little bit more and find that little bit of edge, I'll have a a pretty successful career here. Well, David, I know all Giants fans are listening in and they're wishing you all the luck just like myself. And I hope you just continue to keep doing what you've done in the last couple of years. Good luck to you, David. And we will be watching you and cheering you on every time you put that orange and black uniform on. Thanks so much for having me and your kind words. All right, that was David VR on Extra Innings. More coming up here, right here on KNBR, the sports leader. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.